Well, I want to welcome you again to the Hills Church at Home. Hey, I want to encourage you to do a couple things uh, as you're either watching or listening. Grab your Bibles if you have them. Also, go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. Download the message notes. And if you have any kids, you can download our kids activity sheet as well. Also, we celebrate Communion Sunday. So if you need to pause the video recording, audio recording, and get yourself some communion elements, hey, and if all you have is bread and some juice or some water, that will do. The most important thing that we do is we remember today Jesus. In fact, we're to do it as often as we need to. You know, I looked this up right after Easter. Four months ago, 21 weeks ago, we started out looking at end time. 21 weeks. Seems like a long time, but it goes so fast. So if you missed any of that, in fact, even uh, this week as I was going through some of the themes that stood out to me in the book of Revelation, I changed my message three or four times to get to where we are today. But I encourage you to go back. We're to read Revelation. Uh, we're blessed because we read it. But I wanted to go in and I wanted to start looking at something important uh, that Jesus began to do because we're all followers of Jesus, but then we go deeper. We're disciples of Jesus. So my title uh, today is Jesus's first sermon. Jesus's first sermon. You know, when I when I got that title, I remembered my first message I ever spoke. In fact, it was probably after a couple of years that I was on staff at Valley Community Church in Almani that our college pastor, Gil Dearman Jr., was going on vacation for two Wednesdays. And so for two Wednesdays, he needed a, um, a guest speaker. And so he had asked me to do it. I had not done any public uh, speaking up to that point. I'd always been involved behind the scenes. And so when I was asked to do it, of course, you know, I jumped at the opportunity to speak to the college age group. In fact, uh, I myself was in college. And I remember, boy, I studied and I prayed and I wrote notes. You know, even though uh, this was one of those times where you had kind of those um, uh, low end entry point computers, they were just coming in. You wrote everything out. We did word studies, you know, you read other topics on it, you studied some more, and you crossed things out. And finally, it came to Wednesday night that I was going to speak, and I had everything written out, every illustration, every story, everything ready to go, beginning, middle, end, closing, prayer, and the whole bit. So I have these all these college age, and we begin to, to speak, and man, I'm speaking, and I'm going through my notes, and I'm pulling out these words, and we're looking at verses, we're praying, we're sharing stories. I'm trying to get them to laugh, to engage, to engage. And then I stopped, right? I finished. I was done. I was hot. I was sweaty. I looked up at the clock. I had only spoke for about 15 minutes and I dismissed them. Man, these guys all were looking at each other. They were a little bit shocked. And then they were, I know in their minds, they were like, we're going to go get something to eat. They had all left. Well, then I had to speak the next week. So I, I tried even harder. I got all my notes and I wrote things out and I did word studies and I thought of illustrations and things to pray about, praying throughout the week, waking up in the middle of the night, writing things down. And finally, I had all of my notes and uh, I made sure I went through every single notes, my intro, my prayer points, my illustrations, my funny stories, 
And when I ended, I looked up at the clock. I got an hour and 20 minutes. And then when I looked at the people, some people were, you know, they were passed out. And, and I think some of them probably had dinner reservations that they had to now cancel uh, because I had gone over. It was just one of those learning experiences. But that's what I want to look at today. I want to look at Jesus's first sermon. What did he say? Are we even following those things that he said? In fact, we know this, that before Jesus was John the Baptist. John the Baptist was Jesus's cousin. John the Baptist, his message was prophesied about in the Old Testament that there would be a voice coming from the desert that would prepare the way. Well, that was John. He would prepare the way. In fact, we read Mark chapter 1, verse 4. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Now, this is something new. Baptizing, confessing sins. In fact, to any Jewish person, they knew that in order to confess their sin, they would take a sacrifice to the priest at the temple and it would be offered to the Lord. Now we have John the Baptist, a very unusual uh, guy that we read about that he lives out in the desert area. He wears weird clothes, camel hair, leather belt. He eats locust and wild honey, but he's preparing the way for Jesus and he's doing so by baptizing people in the water, and by preaching a baptism of repentance. He is laying the groundwork. He is preparing the way. In fact, one of the powerful words that we read uh, about John seeing Jesus and what he says are these words in John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that what? Takes away the sins of the world. Now, Jesus uh, had not yet been baptized. Yet John knew it enough that this was the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. That Lamb of God that we read about in the book of Revelation and that Lamb that would, that name that's significant to them because of the sacrifice, this sacrifice would take away the sin of the world. Well, as we read on and Jesus is baptized and then um, John is arrested and yet we read this of Jesus's really first sermon though we read about in a little bit in the book of Luke. It says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So notice what he's preaching. We could call it his first message. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And the end of the verse says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe 
in the gospel. In fact, wherever you are, whether you're watching or listening, uh, I think it's important for us to say those words, repent and believe the gospel, Jesus's words. You know, uh, in Luke chapter four is where we read about Jesus reading in the temple. In fact, as the custom was, and he opened the scroll and he read out of Isaiah where the spirit of the Lord was upon him and he rolled the scroll back up and he said pretty much those words out of Mark today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And you would have thought that the people would have been ecstatic to hear that message. In fact, we read the story. They rose up. They took him. They were going to throw him over the cliff for what he said. How dare he say it's fulfilled in their hearing? How dare he go on and use the words that he used? They were going to throw him off a cliff, but he passed right through them. You know, Mark doesn't pick up uh, in the Bible like Matthew and Luke that talks about the birth of Jesus. Mark, Mark's gospel, he picks up, the Holy Spirit has him go about Jesus and his message to repent and believe. And notice that it's kind of a quick little message there, just like my 15-minute sermon. It's a quick one-liner that is something that we have to walk out the rest of our life, repent and believe the gospel. I love the story about a guy by the name of John that was always kind of a one line, one word, didn't mess around, quick, blunt, to the point. And his wife wished that he would elaborate and talk a little bit more. And so going on a work trip, uh, John would now have to care for the family cat and his mother-in-law at their house. So about two days into her business trip, his wife called and wanted to check on things. And John said, the cat is dead. And she just paused and was silent. And John heard that she was crying. And what seemed like 15 or so minutes, her voice came back on and said, you know, John, why can't you tell me in a little softer or different tone? And he says, I don't know what you mean. Why couldn't you say when I called, the cat was on the roof? And then when I called the next day, you could say, the cat fell off the roof. And then when I called on the third day, you could have said the cat fell off the roof and I'm going to take the cat to the vet. And then you could have said when I called back that the cat was at the vet and the cat's not doing good. And, and then on, on the last day that I called, you could have said, you know, honey, the cat died. Why do you have to just say it as it is? And he said, okay, honey, I, I will work on it and I will try. Next day, his wife called and he said, I wanted to call and I forgot to check on. I was so upset about our cat. How is my mom doing? And he said, your mom's on the roof. Short, sweet to the point. Jesus has these words, repent and believe the gospel. So you know what? I want to pull up just a few words here for us to remember. In fact, uh, these are taken out of some of the Greek language uh, written out what it meant. The gospel which we take about even our, our Bible, we think of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the good news. The Gospel is the proclamation of the grace of God manifest, pledged, and sealed through Jesus Christ. Think about that. It was manifest, pledged, and sealed. This Gospel is sealed through Jesus Christ. Everything Jesus said, he proved, in word and in action. Think, of, think about that for a minute. Every 
thing he said, nothing fell to the ground. Everything he said, he proved in word and action. The gospel is the good news. In fact, God wanted to make it known to us. In fact, that's one of the meanings of the gospel. It is the good news. When we read these words, even repent and believe the God, it is good news to us. It is good news. The word repent is, is really a meaning of turning away from something and turning towards something else. Turning away from something and turning towards, diverting every energy on the way you're going, turning around and diverting it somewhere else. Jesus says, repent, completely turn from your ways, turn to me, follow the gospel. And then that word believe. In fact, I, I love this uh, translation out of the Greek, a complete conviction and a trust a complete conviction and a trust. So when Jesus says, repent and believe the gospel, completely turn around from the direction that you're going, turn towards me and believe the gospel. In fact, those great words, let me put that back up. Complete conviction and a trust in the words of the gospel. In fact, what's interesting even to us nowadays, you know, uh, people would call it a white lie. Well, I was just a little, you know, a white lie. I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But God, the Bible says, God is not a man that he should lie. When we read the Bible, uh, God is not painting things just to make us feel good to get by on the other side. Have you ever said to somebody, Oh, I, I really like what you're wearing. And you only said it to set it because honestly, you thought that is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. And yet we'll say things just to not, you know, what's better is just keep our mouth shut. We learn that as kids. If you don't have anything good to say, you just keep your mouth shut. But God is not a man that he should lie. Hebrews 6, 13, Hebrews 6, 13 says this. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. There was not another example for God to use as someone that would keep promises all the way through. And so when God made that commitment, he swore to his own name, his own ability. You know, I, I don't know if uh, you can remember the first time that you purchased a car and you maybe you took out a loan for it or you bought a home and you took out a loan or uh, maybe you did a student loan that you had to take out. But if you've ever sat in those scenarios, and I know things have sped up and changed, but the first time that you do it and you're having to sit down, especially for a home, and you're having to sit down and you're signing every document and after a while, Everything you sign, you start to realize this really has nothing to do about you. It's everything to do about the loan company being protected if and when you default. All of the legal terminology, all, all of the repercussions. In fact, one of the things when you take out a loan, what you've got to do is they ask for a credit check. 
Sometimes you have to go back and explain things in your credit. They ask for bank statements. They want to make sure if you're making X amount of dollars that they see that going in. They want to see what you're spending your money on. If extra monies have come in other places, they want you to talk about what this was. Credit checks, W-2s, 1099s, tax returns, you know, all these details about your life. Reference checks. So if and uh, when needed, they can call people to find out about you. Uh, sometimes, and we know the Bible talks about it, but sometimes they say, well, in order to get this rate or loan, you have to have somebody co-sign, meaning they need somebody else's credit and name on it. All of these things, it's almost like you're giving up an arm or a leg or an organ in order to get this thing. And yet on their behalf, you're making a deposit, but it's all on the onus on you because at the end of the day, they don't trust that you're going to fulfill it and they need to protect themselves. You know, recently we were in the market to buy a mattress. Our mattress was 16 years old. It started to get those, those lumps and things in it. And uh, I was shocked at the price of mattresses these days. And we, we went to uh, various places to look at mattresses. And I remember asking the lady, I said, I'm really shocked at the prices today. And she says, you know, the average person now, when they come in and buy a mattress and everything, they're spending about $8,000. I was like, we're talking about it like a, a used car on a mattress. And she said, yeah, what's tough is qualifying people uh, on a mattress because it's not something that a company is going to collect on if they default. We're going to go take your mattress. Everything in our system is set up to protect somebody against something. Yet God says this when he gives us his word and he makes a vow, he makes it on himself. In fact, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22, and it says, By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. So much more. God promised it. God promised it in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that there would be one. There would be a seed of a woman come. He would crush the head of the serpent, the devil, that he would come. It was talked about and talked about and talked about, and Jesus came. And even before he sacrificed his life, he said those words on that first sermon, repent and believe the gospel have complete conviction, have a complete trust in my words, in the things that I say to you. It's so important that you believe. God initiated it. God uh, extended his own name, his own word. Moses said, who do I tell him sent me? You tell him I am, that I am sent you. He swore on his own name. Uh, he sent Jesus to be that sacrifice. And now we read this one verse again. We read, so by so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. You know, I believe the Apostle Paul picked up on this later when he thought about and he took the gospel. He says, I am not ashamed 
of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. Isn't that a great beginning? I am not ashamed of this gospel. I am not ashamed. I am bold. I preach it. I believe it. In fact, it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. Repent and believe the gospel, that beginning message of Jesus, that message that is something that we should be saying every day as we get up, our feet hit the ground, that we remember every day we are bombarded, this flesh is bombarded, these thoughts are bombarded, these eyes are bombarded, these ears are bombarded, this mouth is bombarded, every day that we remember to come before our Lord Jesus, to come boldly before him, to repent, but believe the gospel. Become that overcomer that Jesus believes and sees in us because the just shall live by faith. Jesus's words to us. Would you believe? Would you follow him? Would you repent daily? Would you humble yourself? It's the most important thing that we do, that beginning message of Jesus to us, that he came for you and for me, even in the state we were in, he came and sacrificed himself over 2,000 years ago so that we would have this opportunity to gather and to come before him and to believe his words. Well, if you would take out your communion elements with me and you can prepare and take out your bread and cup or whatever that you have before you. One of the things that is so powerful about communion, and I hope you remember this, is that Jesus said, as, uh, as often as you do this, meaning this is something that we should often do, not just we celebrate it uh, corporately once a month, as often as you need to. Maybe it's something that you do part of your daily walk with the Lord. Just don't let it become some religious exercise that it's not something that's birthed in power to remember Jesus. The early church, they were doing it daily. They were going house to house. They were breaking bread and they were praying. And we know that it was something that that's how they remembered Jesus. And Jesus wanted to implement this. So I wanted to read uh, this verse to us today, and this is in Luke chapter 22. And I love how Jesus says this to us, Luke chapter 22, and this is verse 15 through 20. Listen to Jesus's words. And he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Fervent desire. Jesus's last act, as we'll see in a minute, 
with his apostles. Fervent desire. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, take from this and divide it from yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. You know, it's interesting in this translation, he took the cup and gave thanks. And then he takes the cup in the end and reminds us it's that new covenant. I want you to remember today, in fact, um, as we receive communion, I often will do this. I'll look at our lives and know there's needs and things that I need, need to be praying for in my life or in my family or in our church. There's many times that I'll come before a time of communion and, and I'll call it this. I'm going to today stand in the place of somebody. In fact, there's somebody I'm thinking of. I'm going to stand in their place today for communion. And the Lord knows exactly what's going on. I know exactly what's going on. But I'm going to stand today in, in, in complete agreement for their healing. And as I receive this today, I pray that the healing of God is activated in their life. And so Jesus said an important thing to do is we break our bread. And the reason we break our bread is to remember that Jesus's body was broken. He said, I have fervent desire to do this with you before I suffer. And in his suffering, in his being beaten, in his being whipped, in the crown of thorns, in his crucifixion, and finally when he said it is finished, all of that brokenness that came upon him was so that he would be broken so that we could be healed and whole. And so we confess that today, that we are the healed and we are the whole. And if you're standing in for somebody else, we thank God today that they are healed and whole because of the broken body of Jesus. And today we remember that. Let's receive together. Jesus took the cup. And it was significant in two ways. It was going to be his shed blood that would become the forgiveness of sin. The Old Testament, in fact, the sacrifice of the Old Testament for sin was always just a covering. What had to be done in order to fulfill a complete forgiveness of sin was the perfect spotless lamb. The one that John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That Lamb of God, Jesus, who did not ever have to repent. He never had to repent. He passed every temptation. He is our example. He had the fervent desire to receive this with us. And in the shedding of his blood, we can receive our forgiveness. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
The Bible then gives us descriptions in the book of Psalms in uh, Micah that our sins are forgiven and forgotten about as far as the east is from the west. As Micah says, as far as the deepest sea, it's remembered no more. You're washed as white as snow. And it's that most important part, repent and believe the gospel. Confess your sin today. The apostle Paul says, when you come before the Lord's supper, this time of communion, judge yourself rather than to allow God to judge. Judge yourself whether you are in the faith. And then Jesus said, this is based on a new covenant. Every promise is now fulfilled. It's now something we can believe and confess. And if you're standing in for others today, let's stand in and first thank God for our forgiveness of sins. And let's thank God for complete healing and restoration that Jesus provided. And we do this often to remember him. Let's receive this together. Father, we thank you that you left us with this powerful principle to remember Jesus. We do so today. We thank you that your healing power has already gone forth. Your word does not return to itself void. We thank you for even those that have struggled in sin, that even confessing that sin today, they would sense and know that you have forgiven them of all of their sin. In fact, it's that repent, turning from something and turning to something else because we believe your word. We have a strong conviction and a trust in what you say. And what you say will stand. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your words will by no means pass away. And like the Apostle Paul said, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Well, it's always a blessing to be with you and to go through these scriptures. I pray that they're life to you. I pray that you take these notes and that you read these scriptures over and over and allow them to get deep inside your spirit because God wants to speak to you in these days. And as we receive our tithes and offerings today, I want to read this one verse. And it's in Deuteronomy chapter 2610. It says, and now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land, which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. Notice the first fruits to the Lord, the first fruits to the Lord. We always read that in the scripture and we bring it to the Lord. We bring it to the Lord. We set it before him because in all things he has given it to us. Do you know we're stewards of his? Everything we have is his anyways. And so what we're doing is we're bringing it back to him. Would you pray this prayer with me? In fact, really, it's a confession today of what God's doing. As I give it today's offering, I rejoice as I bring to the Lord the first fruits of my income and my increase. I worship the Lord with a grateful heart, for he has provided faithfully for me and my house. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're giving today, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. Go to the top right 
section of our website, click on the give button. It is safe, fast, and secure. And as you do it, uh, worship the Lord because it is your giving and your offering. And if you'd rather write to us and give by mail, you can do so. You can write to us at The Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. And again, we thank you for your faithfulness and your support of the ministry in Arcadia uh, through The Hills Church. Well, we pray that as uh, we take time and celebrate Labor Day weekend, which many have to work and maybe you get a break and kids are excited because they get a day off of school because they already started. We take time to remember this, Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Your help comes from the Lord. He's the creator and your help will come from him. He will show himself faithful in your life. The Lord bless you. Have a great day. Study those verses. Let's all remember to repent and to follow the gospel of Jesus Christ in these days. In Jesus name we pray over you. Amen.